Welcome to Agent of Wealth Podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps small business owners and retirees overcome the multiple wealth planning challenges involved in your financial life. We do this by creating comprehensive wealth management plans to guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and help create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth planning issues involved in your financial life. Hello and welcome to the Agent of Wealth with Mark Boutis of Boutis Financial. Today is a great podcast. Mark has actually brought in a guest and it's John Williams. John works in the office with Mark and we're going to meet him right now. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning, Mark. How are you? Doing fantastic. It's a little chilly, but other than that, I'm doing good. Now, you brought John in. John, good morning. How are you? Doing great, Eric. How are you? Fantastic. John, what do you do in the office with Mark? So I, I help Mark with a lot of different things, um, really just uh, really just trying to, to ramp up. He brought me in to ramp up the, uh, the customer experience, so just nice. the planning process and, and, and help him out with a little bit of insurance. Cool. All right. So, Mark, what, what are we talking about today? Why did you bring John into the conversation? Yeah, so this uh, this show, we got our second uh, episode in our workshop series. Uh, John helped put this workshop series together. The first one was we covered uh, Social Security. Mm-hmm. Today, we're covering college planning. And uh, yeah, Johnson, and these workshops were a part of the show here, but also we've done them as in-person workshops in uh, in North New- northern New Jersey. So nice. John's on to help with that. Fantastic. Where are we starting? So I think, I think when it comes to college planning, uh, you know, there's really two aspects to it. There's saving for college and then actually figuring out how to pay for college. And, you know, we'll start off with the saving piece and everyone realizes that college, it's going to be expensive. Uh, but a lot of times when we work with someone or what we want to focus on initially is, you know, when should someone start saving? How much should they save? And then what are their options? So, you know, John, where, how would, how should someone really approach those, those three questions? Yeah. You know, there's a really, it really starts with a conversation, you know, and, and it's really kind of where our process starts is, you know, there's, there's no one that can, there's really no, you really can't tell somebody how they feel and how they want to approach this. So just really kind of looking at some of those more qualitative type of, type of, uh, uh things that, you know, not everybody's going to want to necessarily have, all the money for college, or they, they may may or may not have the means, but just just try to understand where you know the client and the person that we're working with is 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 you know inside their head and what's really really important to them, and really start start there and try try to understand. You know, just to give you an example, I mean, we have some clients who uh, who who come in and say, "Hey, look, you know, I understand college is really really uh, it's expensive <laughs> for the for the lack of a better word." Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't expect to, to really save as, as, much, as much money as we need to actually um, cover the entire cost. But, you know, we want to do the best we can. Um, somebody else must say, hey, you know what, it's a super, it's a really, really important priority for us to make sure that we have every penny saved up. So, you know, just understanding how, you know, the client is and, and what's important to them, where it kind of sits in there in, in the importance um, hierarchy, if you may. Yeah, I, I think we will we'll see a lot, you know, someone comes in and say, yeah, I do want to cover 100%. Tell me what that cost, and then from there we can start the conversation and look at okay, how does that fit into the to the bigger picture? But once someone you know kind of decides, okay, I'm you know going to start saving, and what are their options for saving? Where what what what, what can they choose 
and the different yeah. vehicles that are available. It's interesting. You know, you, th you think of a tissue, sometimes you think of Kleenex. Well, I almost feel like it's the same thing with, uh, with college planning. You know, you say college planning and someone almost immediately that's standing close by or in the conversation says 529. Um, and it, it's really become synonymous almost with, with college planning. And, and there's a few different reasons, which, which we'll get into um, a lot. There's some advantages and some, some minor disadvantages, but, um, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, some, some really good reasons as to why that, um, that vehicle and that, and that, that tool will use. So the first one I, I would probably say, and the most important one is really the way that it's um, the, the tax advantages that come along with, with the 529 um, plan. And um, there's very few instruments and investments in, in, in the investing world that you can use where, where growth is never taxed. It's much like a, like a Roth IRA, which we'll get a little into, but um, you know, that, that once you, once you pay the taxes, uh, on the money before it goes into a 529. And that's really the way the approach is, is that you're going to pay taxes on, 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 you know, as regular income. And then you, you put the money into the 529. Um, the beauty of that is, is it'll grow and you never will pay taxes on that money again. And then the second part of that is, is, is certain states, depending on which state you're in and you reside in, are going to have a, a state tax deduction. Uh, that you can take advantage of. And of course, you know, we'll, we'll work with, um, depending on where that, the, the person who's opening up that plan might be able to take advantage of that. And then if that's just, just that is that you'll be able to, to, to deduct those, have, have that state deduction and reduce your taxes from, from that, uh, from in, in that, in that year where you made those, um, contributions. Yeah. So I think a, a, a lot of states do offer the, the state tax deduction, we're, we're located in New Jersey. New Jersey is one of the few that do not offer a state tax deduction. So we were actually uh, we're working with someone who is in New Jersey who is moving, however, to Virginia. Virginia does offer a state tax deduction. So one of the strategies would be to, to have them, once they move to Virginia, open an account and start contributing to the Virginia, Virginia state tax plan. Uh, I, I think uh, one of the big questions we get is, and, and just to take a step back on 529s, 529s are sponsored by each state. So each state can offer one or more 529 plans. And they're all different. Some, some are good, some are not so good. There are different companies that rate them and, and put them into different classifications. But the, uh, the, the question we get a lot of times are, uh, is, do I have to invest in the state's plan that I reside in? And the answer is no. Of course. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the state, obviously the state deduction is going to be a big part of that conversation, but there's going to be a lot of factors within that, that 529 that we, we can dive into, um, whether it be the, the, the allocation options you have within it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I, I think th to really uh, simplify that, that answer, it's someone can live in one state, they can go to school in another, their child can go to school in another state and they can invest in a third and even another state's uh, 529 plan. So there, there is some flexibility. And I think because of that, because you, you do have choices, the 529s have improved a lot over the you know, past 10, 15 years. When they first came out, you know, you, people would look at them and say, oh, these, their, their investment options are not good. There's uh, high fees and expenses, but they've improved a lot. So they are definitely a viable option and, and their popularity is only, is only gaining. But uh, you know, the second question we usually get from from someone looking into it is, what happens if my child doesn't go to school? Does the fi do the five twenty nine plan? Do the funds invested in it? Do they have to be used for education? 
Yeah. And, and of, of course you can see why that would be a, a big concern because you're dumping all this money in there and, 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 you know, especially if somebody has somebody who's planning early, you just don't know what's going to happen and you just don't know where, where things are going to go. Of course, we all hope that our kids have this great opportunity to go to school, but you know, they, they may decide to do something else. And, you know, I think that it's really important to understand what those options are. And, and the, the 529 does offer some flexibility, uh, so it does need to be used for education or otherwise there will be a penalty involved. It's a 10% penalty, but it can be used for different levels of education. Sometimes if, you know, we, 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 we associate it with college planning, but it can be used for, for, um, uh, other higher education. You could even use it for yourself. You can even pass it along, um, to, to your heirs, to, to, to grandkids. So, you know, there, there are some options there. You can look at um, legacy planning um, where, where it comes in, into, uh, you know, when it, when it comes into the conversation. But, but the short answer is yes, it, it is a, an education. The reason why there are these advantages is because it, we, we, um, we want to direct that towards, towards the education. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things on that penalty, the penalty is scary, but one of the things that you have to think about the the penalty and the taxes are only on the gains in the account. Since you've already paid tax on the contribution, uh, you know you can pull out actually the contrib the, the contribution amount at any time without having to pay a, a penalty or a, or a tax on it. So it's not the the you know the end of the world. There and John did highlight a little bit on the legacy planning aspect of it. One of the strategies that we do promote is this can be really an, an estate planning tool. So there's no timeline on when this five, you know, when this 529 has to be used. If you take that into consideration, in addition to the fact that you can pass these down or you can uh, fit different family members can use them. So technically you start a 529 for one of your children. And for some reason they don't need it. They don't go to school. They get a scholarship. You can actually keep, just keep investing in that 529 and, you know, the, the amount that could cover one child school, if it keeps growing tax deferred or tax free, you can actually cover three to four grandchildren. So it can be a legacy planning tool that that's uh, actually pretty, pretty popular. The, uh, and, and, and to kind of piggyback off of that thought, you know, there, there's a, I think it's important to have a, a side by side kind of a comparison because, and, and I'll use the example of a, just a just a true taxable investment account. Like if Sue, you just open up a, a, an account with us, and you know that's not going to have a, a, basically an account that wouldn't have the tax advantages that a five twenty nine would have. And just to kind of give you a difference, you know, you're looking at um, complete flexibility. So if we had a client who was like, you know what, e even with what Mark said, I don't like that ten percent penalty. I, I, don't, I want I want way more flexibility. We can go towards a taxable taxable investment account, and 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 that would, like I said, not have the, the advantages that a five twenty nine had, um, but gives you you can use that money anytime, anywhere. You can pull it out and use it for anything. So whether it's the, the if, if the kids don't go to school, then maybe you buy the vacation home you always wanted. So there are those conversations, but but to understand that it's it's you're looking at about a ten to fifteen percent difference on um on your earning power from those, uh, those tax advantages, um, that you lose. So, you know, I think that, that, again, it goes back to our planning process is just helping the client understand the differences in the direction they're going. And they may say, Hey, look, you know what? Totally worth it for me. 10 to 15%. Like let's, that's fine. As long as I have that flexibility and, and it all again, goes all the way back to the process of us just understanding where their head's at and what's, what's important. Okay. So, 
in, in addition to the 529, in addition to the taxable account, um, a couple other options I wanted to, to touch on. The, the first one is a Roth IRA. So, you know, everyone or a lot of people associate Roth IRAs with retirement, but there is flexibility built into a Roth where they can also be used for, for college planning as well. So the way a Roth works is you're able to contribute up to 5,500, actually 6,000 in, in 2019 per year into the Roth. And it's similar to the 529 in that you're contributing after tax money with the, you know, if it's used for uh, retirement, you no longer you do not have to pay tax on either the gains or the contributions. However, you still have that flexibility of pulling the contributions out uh, without having to pay tax on them at any time. So, you know, one strategy is start saving in a Roth. The you know you over time you build up uh, build up a balance in the account, and you're able to pull out the contributions while leaving the gains in there for retirement. Uh, so, contributions you can use for for uh, college planning or any, any type. And, you know, it, John mentioned this earlier and we're focusing on 529's college planning, but uh, one of the new tax law changes, uh, recent tax law changes, you're actually allowed to use 529's for, you know, private grammar school, private high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and to also to add to that, you know, we might have a 529 in place, but, but it's not just a one, use one, use all, like we, I think the beauty of this is we can, we can use all these different options. You know, we can include a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, so it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I think that the Roth is, I mean, really, if you can, if you, I mean, many times it's one of the things, one of the first conversations we have, you know, it is including that into your overall plan. And you may use a little bit of that to, to cover some of the education, um, to, to fill some gaps from the 529 savings you're making. You may have a taxable account as well. Um, you know, so, so again, you know, I, I, I really encourage people and, and hope that people would take the most from this is just an understanding that there are some choices involved. John, you actually just answered one of my questions. I uh, hope you don't mind me jumping in here. I've got a couple more. But yeah, that, that sounds great where you can use the 529 and that plus maybe the taxable investment account or the Roth having a balance there, I think is really good. So going back just to the 529, a couple questions. The first question I have is, are you able to use it for supplies for school, meaning, uh, my son personally, he's a mechanic. And so he didn't go to a four-year college. And if I had done a 529 for a number of years, I'm assuming that if you go to college that the 529 can be used to purchase books and supplies and, and things like that. Do you know if they go to a technical school, can it be used to purchase tools and things that they use in a tech school? Yeah. Arc. So yes, it can. And you know, it would the I guess the high level way to look at it is it can be used for pretty much almost any cost associated with the school, whether it's a vocational tech or or a college. Mm. Uh, with one of the exceptions, or the main exception is it, it can't be used for travel to and from school. So, for example, if you have a child that goes to school out in California, you live on the East Coast, it can't pay for his flights going back and forth, but it can pay for laptops, tools you know, room and board, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and any ancillary cost associated with school. Oh, that's fantastic because tools are very expensive. So (laughs) that'd be great to be able to use that, the, that 529. So then, then this kind of leads into the next question. Um, You were talking about the 10% penalty, right? If you, if you pull it out and you're not using it for school and you also talked about your contributions versus your gains, right? So let's, let's, let's just say, somebody has, and just, just for my own math sake, let's say somebody has 
$400,000 in this 529, which is an incredibly large amount. And their child decides not to go to that Ivy League university that's going to cost that $400,000 to complete. They're going to go to something that's much smaller. They already know that's the plan. And in total, the school's going to cost them two hundred grand. So now they have an extra $200,000 that could be a problem. Would it be smarter, or I don't want to manipulate the system, but are you able to pull out $200,000 in contributions six months before you start paying for any type of college so that the only money used toward that college is the rest of the contributions and the gains? Or is that illegal or manipulation or what? So I don't know if I'd call it illegal or manipulation, but what, what, what's going to happen is you're, if you take a distribution out, um, it's going to be prorated contributions and gains. So in your example, if you know there was a four hundred, the account was built up to four hundred thousand, and it was split fifty fifty. Half of it was what you you had put in yourself. Half of it is gains. If, as an example, you took out two hundred thousand before you know six months before school, it would actually be broken up fifty percent. So that of that distribution, a hundred thousand would be considered your contributions, no tax, and then a hundred thousand would be considered gains. And because it's not being used for school, you'd have to pay that 10% penalty and the tax on that 100000 So you can't just pull out contributions is what you're saying. That's correct. So unlike a Roth where you could, with a 529, you can't cherry pick and say, I just want to take out my contributions. They look at, the, it gets prorated to, looks at the total size of the account, what in that account, what's the ratio between uh, contributions and gains, and then what you take out is, is follows that same um, ratio. Perfect. Thanks. Thank you very much for clarifying because that's exactly uh, the answer that I needed. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we, we covered the 529 taxable accounts, Roth IRA. The one other strategy I wanted to talk a little bit about was uh, we work with a lot of people who like investing in real estate hmm. and there is a real estate strategy for, for paying for college. And uh, I'll go over it real quickly here. It's, it's uh, not as simple as this is going to seem, but um, one way of doing it is people like purchasing rental real estate. So if you purchase uh, purchase a property, you know you have a child, they're born, you purchase a property, you put a down payment on it, and let's just say you know you purchase something where you have to put a fifty fifty thousand dollar down payment, and it's a let's just say two hundred fifty thousand dollar property, and what you would do is you would put it on a fifteen year loan, so that over the next fifteen years you're paying you know the the, the loan down at year fifteen. You take you refinance the property, and so you're pulling out some of the equity, and that equity is used to either pay for or help pay for school, and you still keep the property. So it's a way of you know buying an asset, having it you know rent it, and still being able to keep the asset. Yet you kind of using it as a piggy bank to help pay for college. Now the one caveat is that it has to make sense for you know the the rental property has to make sense as a cash flowing property. So you don't want to buy something and all of a sudden you have to put in you know, because the rents don't cover the expenses, uh, you know, $1,000 a month, you want something that at least breaks even or even better if it even makes a little money each, uh, that's a bonus if it makes a little money each each month as, as well. So that's a strategy that you won't see a lot of times that, you know, advisors will go through. But if people are fixated on, you know, purchasing real estate, that's another one that they could do. So Mark, what if they, what if you decided to sell the property? Are you able to use that money towards education? And is there any uh, help with the capital gains on it, or is is there any anything that would help there, or do you still have to pay capital gains on it? 
So yes, you do. You, if you did sell, you'd have to pay capital gain. If there are capital gains, you'd have to pay capital gains, uh, which is one reason why the a lot of times the refinance makes sense because mm-hmm. the refinance is a non-taxable event. So you're basically pulling that money out and there's no taxable consequences for, for doing that. Gotcha. So is there any stipulation on what you have to refinance, re, excuse me, refinance it for? Like you said, the original mortgage was a 15 year. Does it have to be another 15 year or do you do a nope. 30 year? Does it matter? Yeah. You can, it, you'd look at it at that time that you're refining, you know, after the 15 years, you're looking at refinancing you, you look at and see what makes sense to Got whether it. it's 15 year, 30 year, adjustable mortgage, fixed mortgage, private loans, you know, whatever makes sense at that time is, is what you would, what, what you do. Gotcha. So, I mean, again, this is going to really depend on your area, depend on the housing market at the time. And there's a lot of stuff to consider there. Is that, is it a plan that you've personally worked with clients on and have you found good success with it? Yeah, we, we, we have. And, you know, like I mentioned, we, we do work with a lot of people who like investing in, in real estate. And I think, you know, John touched on this a little bit earlier. It, it's, you know, there's a lot of different options and a lot of times, you know, it's not just one option. You want to come up with a, with a strategy that works for what makes sense, what you're comfortable with and, you know, what, what you're, you know, uh, towards what you're, you're trying to, to achieve. And, you know, we kind of touching upon how we work with, with, uh, with clients on this, you know, we'll, we'll get that initial strategy set up, but it's not, okay, I had a child. Let me come up with a strategy. I'm putting this much into a 529 or I'm saving this much in a taxable account, or I'm buying a real estate property. And then, you know, I'll see you guys again in 17 years when my child is ready for, for Mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we'll, we'll talk about is we do a a yearly progress report with, with the the clients we work on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, just to piggyback again on, on what Mark was saying is, is it, it's, it really comes down to what the, the client's comfortable with. I mean, and that's across all the different progress reports and the different planning we're doing, you know, but when it comes to real estate, that's just what they know and mm-hmm. it's what they like. And that's, you know, it, and it's not up to us to try to convince them that the 529 is better than the real estate. I mean, even if that's the case and you know, that's really like just really the approach we, we take, but we have a lot of really amazing, I mean, in the world of technology that, that we're in, you know, we have some we've adopted some really great tools that really help our clients keep the finger on the pulse of this, this whole process and understanding, you know, how their, their, their progress is, is or how they're progressing through uh, what we call, we're calling our wealth center. And we give them access to really how they're approaching their goal and how they're tracking towards that goal. And we of course meet with our clients, you know, at least once, if not two, three, four times a year, just to go over, see how we're doing, see anything, any, anything that it has changed and if there's any adjustments we need to make because we don't have crystal balls and we don't know, understand exactly you know, what, what could happen over, over the next couple of years. But we want to make sure that the most important thing is, is we're, we're going to readjust those plans and, and college planning is, is, is no different. Yeah. John, I, I, yeah. I don't want to assume anything, but you sound a lot younger than Mark and I. Is that about right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, me and Mark, we're uh, pretty close. We both graduated uh, around around the same same year for, from college, and right. uh, I don't know. I guess maybe I just have that uh, that youthful you know. <laughs> vigor. <laughs> but, you know, well, everyone says they hate the way their, their voice sounds. Yeah. To me, right now, I have this really deep voice. <laughs> And I sound very, very masculine. And then I'm going to listen to this podcast and I'm going to think, wow. Um, but no, uh, okay. you know, I, I, do, I do get that a lot. Yeah, no, and lot. the reason I ask is because when working with clients, it's it's nice to be able to have the snapshot of, of someone 
so I'm a grandfather. So just to let you know, so I'm a grandfather and I can, I have my view of what college was, you know, 25, 30 years ago and what the cost was and how people saved for it. But today it's so different and colleges are so much more expensive. And, and we all hear about how millennials are struggling to even buy a home and so on and so forth. So I really think that that would all play into the conversation for new parents or parents that, you know, have kids that are five or 10 or just thinking, okay, I really do need to do something right now. I bet that would be a conversation that would be a little bit easier if you have a couple different viewpoints. Do you find that when you're talking to your clients? Art, I'll I'll um, step in here, but I I think the answer is yes, and I think we we you know as advisors can kind of see it from both sides, right? Mm-hmm. So we we see the the new parent, and we we obviously know okay yeah you know you need to start saving and save as early as possible, but we also see it on the flip side. We we work with people who have children that are coming out of college and are saddled with this huge student yeah. loan debt. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we can, we, we can talk about the importance of saving to a, a parent from experience and not that necessarily we've went, we've gone through it ourselves, but we see, you know, it, it you know, kids are coming out of school now with these mortgage like payments yep. for student loans. And you couple that with, you know, some are having trouble finding jobs and it just snowballs until in, into something that's really out of control. So we, we use that to stress the importance of, you know, starting early, saving as, as much as possible. And even knowing that, you know, it, it's, you know, if, if someone has two children, three children, more, you know, or more children, it's, it's almost an impossible task to, yeah. to fully fund a hundred percent of their schooling. But it, it's really important to just, you know, get on track and do as much as, as you can with it. Yeah. And guys, I, I appreciate all the information. We are running low on time. I know we have a lot more to cover. Mark, would you bring John back for us? We will. So, uh, you know, we, as part of college planning, you know, we talked a, a little bit about saving for college today. What we'll do on our, on our next, uh, our next show, we'll, we'll focus on, so someone saved for college. Now, how do they go about approaching the, the you know, the decision on how best to pay, pay for college. Mm-hmm. So we'll focus on, we'll bring John back and we'll focus on that on the next show. All right. Thanks guys for your time. Thanks. Thanks Ark. Ark. You bet. And thank you for listening to the agent of wealth podcast with Mark Bowdus. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Mark comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if you've got friends or family members that are getting to this point, or they have young children that need to start thinking about it now, just like Mark said, just like John said, the earlier, the better. Share this podcast with them and let them know that the next one is going to be covering even more information. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Bowdus Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Bowdus Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment and financial planning.